good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. That uh, song, I believe, was by NDR Reeves. It was actually a dedication to those who were, have been in service and supporting us in the ways that they do. So we thank them again for being of service to our country and to those who have been in service to our world. We want to give thanks to those who are here for our seventh and final week of our Faith in Action series. Based upon Don Miguel Ruiz's book, The Voice of Knowledge. The Voice of Knowledge. And I think for me, as I've been thinking about what that represents over this seven weeks, you know, The Voice of Knowledge, if I were to sum it up, it really represents our perception of reality. And I've come to the realization, at least for me, maybe for others, that we don't necessarily see reality. We see our thoughts about <laughs> what's reality. And over time, you know, we have these stories, we have our thoughts, we have our beliefs, and they become embedded in our consciousness. And we know, at least in our minds and heart, oh, they're real. We know they're absolutely true. And then maybe an event will take place that causes us to, to question our stories. An event may take place that causes us to question what's true and it begins to change our perception of reality. I want to share a couple of my own experiences that I've had. And, you know, I think I've shared it before, but it was really a foundation of my journey to get on the spiritual path and, and really caused me to look at things very differently. You know, I was in my mid-30s, which was many years ago. <laughs> I'd hit that down point in my life, the lowest part of, of my life, and I ended up going through a, a drug rehabilitation program to try to get my life together, and I was there for a couple of months. And one of the most important things that I had to do was to practice self-forgiveness for what I had thought I had done to my life. I just screwed my life up. And I remember going through that, and after that day of, of going through that, many weeks of going through that process, everything lifted from my shoulders. The burden seemed to be lifted from me. And I was feeling so light and so alive, and I was probably happier than I ever had been in my life, and I didn't really have anything, you know, materially. And I remember I was coming, you know, to my uh, apartment at that time. Uh, I really wouldn't call it an apartment. I call it a room. 
And I was taking the bus and I was just feeling it, you know, and I was like free. And I was walking toward the building. And in an instant, every single thing that was around me collapsed into a sea of oneness. There was no separation between me and other people. There was no separation between me and the trees and the birds and the sky. And it was something I couldn't explain in words. But something in a twinkling of an eye just transformed how I saw reality. But that wasn't the only thing that kind of changed how I saw things. Now, that particular event really became the thread of my philosophy, spiritual philosophy. It's the foundation. It's a golden thread of how I see things. I think we all have our own approach. But then there was another experience in which I had a friend who would have entities who would speak through her. And uh, this was different. And uh, one time there was an episode, the person would go into a trance. And during the trance, she would speak a language that she never had heard before, had never learned before, knew nothing about. And at this particular moment when it happened, she just said, well, you take a recording of it. And so she had these episodes that would be taking place seriously over and over again. And we had recorded it. And we went to go see, I don't know if you know a gentleman named Brian Weiss. And he wrote a book called Many Lives, Many Masters. And he was talking about the idea that he would do regression therapy on individuals and not only go to their childhood, but go to their previous lives and be able to explain why they were having certain traumas taking place in their life. So we wanted Brian Rice to try to find out what was going on. Because the person said they wanted these entities to stop speaking through her. And so he said, all you have to do when they come up is tell them to stop and go away and they won't come back. And she did. Told them to stop and go away. And they never came back again. Now, I share those experiences because that's something I usually don't share with most people. If I shared that with most people, they would say, okay, um, that's interesting. Uh, Let me tell you about what's going on in my life. Let me tell you about my problems and all the things that's going on. And so I don't. You know, I would say that those things changed my perception, didn't necessarily change my life. I still had, you know, my challenges and difficulties and the normal things that human beings go through, but it changed how I saw reality. And I no longer strictly departmentalize stuff anymore. Because I saw the things that I did not previously see and understood. You know, when I first had this oneness experience. I was saying, well, maybe it didn't happen. Maybe I was just hallucinating at that moment because I had done a lot of hallucinogenic stuff and maybe I was having a flashback in that particular moment. But the other one I couldn't deny because I had a tape, you know, so it happened. And Don Miguel says that there are many realities that exist, but we only perceive the reality where we focus our attention. Mostly that reality for us is what stories that we've been told, the stories that we've told ourselves, that becomes our reality. 
You know, he talks about the time he had his own car accident and he had to come face to face with death. And he traveled outside of his body and he could see his body asleep at the wheel. And he began to question, what am I? You know, I'm not a body. I'm not a mind. What am I? Just as an aside, I would say that we have a body, we have a mind, but we are not those things. But it said he upended his whole belief system, his story about what was real. You know, in my case, my wondrous experience caused me my perception reality to change. Like I said, where I, I, I used to segment and departmentalize the world based upon appearance, based upon what I saw. And I said, well, this looks about right to me. This is just how it is. There's a tree over here. There's a bird over there. There's these kind of people over here. These are the right people over there. They're my kind of peeps. They're okay. You know, life is hard and then it's over. They call that death. It all makes sense to me. That was the story. But as one person who was having an existential angst over his belief system and about spirituality asked one time, what if we're all wrong? It kind of reminds me, I don't know if you watch South Park. You know, South Park is a cartoon on TV. And uh, they're very irreverent, but uh, they were talking about all the different religions and how all the religions were wrong, except one, the Mormons. Anyway, you'd have to watch it. It was pretty hilarious. But <laughs> that second episode, the channeling of the entities move into a different dimension as well to realize that there are different perspectives. There are different levels of reality. And, you know, I realize that, you know, I'm never trying to rush to the next dimension. I want to be in this dimension as long as I can, as long as I can enjoy it. But I have a different perspective on what lies ahead beyond this dimension on the other side of the veil. You know, like I said, some people have the story that life is hard and then you die. It's over. There's nothing else. But that experience changed my perception of what's real, about the truth, about reality, that there is something about us that never dies. Absolutely, there's an emanation of the spirit of the living God that is here yesterday, today, and forever. And we can't explain that intellectually. Sometimes we just have to have an experience of something in which you know that you know that you know that there's something more to what's going on. But once you do, the story changes. Our perception of reality changes. The ultimate story most people have is that the illusion of death is a final thing. Yes, the body dies. But that is part of us that has never been hurt, harmed, or endangered in any way. This part of us that never dies. Because we are infinite beings. And we're a dynamic goodness and love and expression in the mind and the heart of this infinite presence. We really have had no beginning and had no end. There's something infinite about us. Now, we all have our fears. Every person has their fears, I would think, unless, unless they have some, some psychological issues. Everyone has some fears of some sort. But here's the thing. I believe that all of our fears, all of them, 100% come from the virus or the story that we've been affected with that says that we have a body and then we will die. And every other fear is weaved around that virus. The fear of loss, the fear of limitation, the fear of letting go. Those are tough illusions or stories to break from. You know, as one comedian once said, you know, I'm not afraid to die. 
I just don't want to be there when it happens. The truth, the truth is, we're infinite beings. That's a different story. Yes, it's different from we're here a bit and then it's over. But as the reading notes, there are many realities or stories that exist. But we only see the ones that we give our attention to. You know, there's a movie that came out many years ago called What the Bleep. What the Bleep Do You Know, I think is what it's called. And there was a segment that stirred up a little controversy. Actually, the whole movie was controversial in some circles. Uh, it was attacked by many people. But there was a segment, as I recall, in, in, the, in the movie about the indigenous people not being able to see the approaching ships of the ocean because they were outside their experience. You know, I frankly think that they did see them and they grasped what they were seeing, but they ignored them because they didn't pose a danger to them. But the point that they were making in, in the movie was this. We focus so much of our attention on our stories and what we believe reality to be that we lose much of what is happening around us and that we have no idea how much we really miss. How much we really miss. You know, many are familiar with the name of Malcolm X. And I always say, if you haven't read his autobiography, autobiography of Malcolm X, read the autobiography of Malcolm X, or at least watch the movie Malcolm X by Spike Lee. You know, as you know, black, Malcolm X was a, a black activist and, and leader of the struggle of black liberation. And many people look at him from history from, as being a militant separatist. What people don't know, his story actually changed and evolved. He went to Mecca. And after that experience, he, he wrote a letter back to his family. He wrote a letter back to his followers back in America. And he said that, you know, he wore the traditional garb of the Muslims at that time. And he made the, the circuit seven times around Kaaba, which is the stone structure within the great mosque in Mecca. It was in uh, Saudi Arabia. And he said he drank from the well of Zamzam. And that's a special water there. And, and they prayed Allah from Mount Arafat. And he said it was the only time in his life that he stood before the creator of all. And he felt like a complete human being. And he went on to write, I have eaten from the same plate, drunk from the same glass, and prayed, from the same, prayed to the same God with my fellow Muslims whose eyes were blue, whose hair was blonde, whose skin was white as the whitest could be. And they were all brothers, truly people of all colors and races believing in the one God and the one humanity. Malcolm X saw a new reality. He wrote a new story. He wrote a new story for himself. Now, he still fought to eradicate injustice wherever he found it. He was still very militant about that. But the story came from a higher perspective, a higher point of view. It was a story seen through the eyes of love. And as we define love, love is an energy that binds all of humanity together. And when that story becomes our story, we show up differently. We act differently. And the collective story begins to change for us. But we must break from the voice of knowledge. The voice of knowledge that is often very, very loud. And it comes from many, many circles. And it shouts its name, you know, lack and limitation 
and incurable and not enough and separation and divisiveness. That's the voice of knowledge. But then there's the voice of spirit. It is not loud. It is often very, very faint. But we can hear that voice if we get up early in the morning or we get up, lay up late at night when everything is still. And we will hear God's intention for our lives. And we'll give our attention to that. And as we give our attention to that, we will rise above the stories of limitation. We'll rise above the stories of not enough. We'll rise above the stories that sometimes run rampant in our world. We'll say no to all of that. And we'll redirect our attention as to reading notes this week. We will clean all the lies from the voice of knowledge. And we will turn to the voice of truth the voice of love, to our oneness with the qualities of God. And then we do that, our story will become surrounded by this divine loving energy everywhere that we go. You know, Don Miguel suggests that every human is an angel with a message to deliver. We are all angels of this presence. And I believe that one of the messages is that we're here to be agents of transformation. We're here to be those agents of transforming, changing the thought atmosphere in which we live by telling stories from that voice of spirit, that voice that reflects the better angels of our nature. We were familiar with Robin Williams. He passed away a few years ago, tragically, shortly. And I remember reading an article that was about the late Robin Williams. And of course, he was a great comedian, an actor, philanthropist. I first got introduced to him when he was on Mork and Mindy, Nanu Nanu, back in the old days. But the, the writer of the article noticed that there were many people who were involved in the entertainment industry. And many of those people who had to work with the entertainers, they were somewhat weary of some of the entertainers and the celebrities that were so self-absorbed to the point of throwing tantrums if their outrageous demands were not met. And uh, he mentioned that, you know, there was one man who was, I think his name was Brian, Brian Lord. And he was the vice president of one of these uh, premier speaking bureaus. And Brian said he thought he had seen everything until he had contacted Robin Williams. He contacted his team, he should say. And he was, he was inquiring about his availability for an event, and the reply came back and with all the terms. They had like a rider to the contract. And part of the contract that, you know, often entertainers put into them that say, you know, I have these special demands. You know, I want this kind of water. You know, it's got to be yeah, free M&Ms. And, you know, they got to be in this position in the room when I come there. And, you know, and, 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 they, and he looked at the demands on his rider from Robin Williams. And, and the guy said, when I got Robin Williams' rider, I was surprised at what I found because Robin Williams had a requirement that every single event or film that he did, the company that hired him also had to hire a certain number of homeless people and put them to work. And the agent said he had never watched a Robin Williams film the same way after that. His agent knew that Williams used his own time and his own money to work with people who were less privileged. 
But he also decided to use his clout as an entertainer to make sure that production company and the event planners also learned the value of giving people a chance to work their way back. I think Robin Williams had in his rider, this, in his contracts, you know, he said he had that in his contracts ever since he did his, one of his first major movie back in the day. The movie, uh, I think it was called Moscow and the Hudson. And that was in the 80s. And all the homeless at each location was fed and assigned an extra commissary truck, extra vouchers to local hotels or motels so they can rest just before they appeared on set again. His act of kindness and giving back defined the man. That was the story that he believed in. That's where the story that he came from. He recognized his interconnectedness with all of humanity. Well, as we close out this seventh week of our faith in action, I think when we practice the principles from the text, the voice of knowledge, and particularly when we question our stories, it opens us up to so many new possibilities that can reflect the better angels of our nature. We can take that second look and we can create new stories. Stories that begin to break down the barriers that are artificially created that we have between people. The artificial barriers between nations, between groups. New stories that download the beloved community that Dr. Martin Luther King talked about and we dreamed about. New stories in which we begin to look at one another, no matter where they come from or their, their origin, and just see beauty and the divine expressions of God that we all are. I think when we listen to the voice of spirit, we'll stop seeing differences. We'll say, look at that wonderful light shining through that individual. Now, they have a unique way of showing it. Yes, they have their own stories. But we'll have new stories where we don't just see color. Rather, we'll see the different shades of the infinite presence and the power and the love of God. And we'll not just see separate cultures. We'll see and celebrate the different cultures and see how many of these variations, how this infinite spirit reveals its infinitude to all of us. A new story in which we see the heavens, which is ever expanding good. It is right here and now. The heavens are everywhere glorifying God. We can have stories where we all glorify the force, glorify the presence, glorify this something that's beyond words. We're glorifying this God presence and bringing this beloved community to our world. And we start with ourselves. Our world is nothing more than an outpicturing of the group consciousness and our collective stories. So the best place to start to improve the world is to improve ourselves. And then up-leveling our stories that reflect the truth of our being rather than the lies we've been told or the, about ourselves or we told to ourselves. The truth is, we are extensions of the love intelligence that governs this magnificent universe. And as we live from that story, we do our part to expand the beloved community by taking one area of our life in which we intensely practice the love ethic. One area we can rebel against business as usual. One area of our life where forgiveness becomes the order of our day. If we begin to do that, 
Oh, our seemingly upside down world will turn right side up because we are in our own environment in which we watch it spread like wildfire. We begin to spread the love, spread the forgiveness because we're in tune with the reality as it really is spiritually. Because underneath business as usual, behind the loud noises of the world, there is an idea. There is a spiritual plan. There is wholeness. There is harmony. So I say this, brothers and sisters of God, they say in old school, the time is now. The place is wherever you happen to be to tell stories that demonstrate you are more than you ever thought you could be. That the world needs us to be the channels, those storytellers, to be the full expression of God. To be the full expression of the divine love itself so that we may anchor the truth on earth as it is in the mind and the heart of the infinite spirit of the living God. It's a story without end. A story through which we see through the eyes of love. And that is the truth. Peace and blessings to you. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center Oh